0: Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. Hello, hello. Welcome along to another episode of Talking CFD, the podcast that's more about growing a business than growing a boundary layer. Well, today's guest's been CFDing for more years than she'd probably care to remember, and I won't ask because it's not polite to try and find out a lady's age. Suffice to say, she's been around the CFD industry for a good while in all sorts of roles. But for a change, we aren't here to reminisce about when she worked for this company or discuss some hot new CFD startup. No, we're here to chat about NAFEMs. In particular, what or who are they? What do they do? And most importantly, why should I care? The lady with the answers to those questions is Althea D'Souza, chair of NAFEM's CFD Working Group and commissioning editor of their quarterly magazine called Benchmark. Welcome to the show, Althea.
1: Thank you very much, Robin. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: First off, is it NAFEMs or NAFEMs?
1: Ah, no, that's a good question. Um I say NaFems some people say Nafems I don't think it really matters.
0: Okay you might have to let me off a few Nafems I'm from Yorkshire so I struggle with long vowel sounds.
1: <laughs> of course no problem.
0: So back to the original question kind of who are stroke what is Nafems?
1: So, NAFEMS was started in the early 1980s and it was started by the British government initially because there was a concern that engineering analysis tools were being used and the results trusted maybe a little too too blindly. People were just confident because the computer said it would be okay, it was going to be okay. And if you're designing a bridge on that basis and then want to drive over it, uh, that may not be a good approach. So, um, NAFEMS was started originally to encourage good practice and uh, check on engineering standards within simulation. And that's where the original name came from. It was the National Association for Finite Element Methods and Standards. NAFEMS has transformed itself significantly since then. It's now an international organisation, still a not-for-profit, but um, very much involved in a much broader remit of engineering analysis. So not just... um, Finite element analysis um, applied to structural analysis, but also computational fluid dynamics, uh, multi physics, composites analysis, optimization, and I, I could go on. So, everything that is involved with engineering modeling, analysis, and simulation.
0: I mean, it sounds like it's um, potentially timely uh, in the cfd space as uh, the as you were saying the computer says it's okay to drive over your bridge so uh, we, p- p- perhaps we need to check i mean we're getting to the point where the <laughs> cfd simulation is getting a bit more available to more people um so the the standards aspect and the uh, best practice and things seem to be more relevant than ever for cfd would that be the case
1: Yes, yes. I would say that was is becoming more important. And we're also starting to see in CFD something that's happened in the structural analysis field for a little while. People are going forwards with less testing or with less final testing. So, often with CFD, we'll use simulation to get a design, but then we'll do a final test to make sure it's going to work. We still have to do that in a lot of things, but we're reducing the amount of final testing, getting a lot more confidence in some of the results that we're getting from simulation.
0: So, how does um, NaFEMS help get us towards a, a, a better tomorrow, if you like, in this sort of in this sort of area?
1: So, um, NaFEMS is a it's an association, and it's an association to bring everyone involved in the engineering analysis community together. So, whether that's um, consultants like you or I, whether that's um, uh, people out there doing simulation for big OEMs, Rolls Royce, Jaguar Land Rover, Boeing, Airbus, whatever. Whether that's people who are developing the software that we use, and whether that's um, uh, fully commercial software like the Ansys tools or CD Adapco that sort of thing, or whether it's uh, Open Foam or industrial tools, but also the people working in industry, possibly on development and training. So it's bringing, it's providing a neutral forum where all these different people involved in the analysis community have somewhere they can interact and share information and decide on what is is maybe the best practice and sort of beat out some of these issues that are often not as straightforward as we would like to believe.
0: Yeah, so I mean, you've mentioned best practices uh, a couple of times, and that's obviously one of the uh, the tenets. But um, what what are the other main activities of, of NaFems?
1: Um, maybe I should tell you a little bit about the structure of NaFems at this point to help yeah, you understand. Do. Okay, so NaFems itself has a very small staff, a very small number of direct employees, um, and they are there are a couple of technical people, but they are primarily sort of more of um marketing or admin type roles. the The main job of Na NAFEMS is done um, is overseen by a council of volunteers, um, and also run done by a number of working and steering groups. So there's the council, there's the Nephems council, which decide on the general direction and deal with the legal stuff, which is boring, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and then we have a number of working groups, uh, um, and the working groups will have a particular technical focus. So at the moment, we've got working groups, so I'm just going to. Pull up a web page to help me remind, remember this. We've got analysis management, which is all to do with um, uh, control and uh, verification and anything around analysis management, I suppose. There's composites, computational fluid dynamics, computational structural mechanics, dynamics and testing, education and training, geotechnics, high performance computing, manufacturing process simulation, multi body dynamics, multi physics, optimization. Simulation data management, stochastics, and systems modeling and simulation.
0: Wow, take a breath.
1: (laughs) Thank you. And in addition to, and these working groups are all um, manned and chaired by volunteers from within industry and from the vendors and from academic people. So I chair the CFD working group, and we've got about 45 people, well, about 40 people in that group who um, meet regularly, roughly six weekly with mostly web meetings because we're all over the place, all over the country and all over the world. In addition, there are also steering groups. So the steering groups are in the regions. So there's a, a UK steering grouper, an America steering grouper, a DAC, which is the German language speaking regions, Nordic, you know, various steering groups, and they are primarily responsible for events in their regions. Whereas the technical working groups are more, more focused, not exclusively, but more focused on publications I would say and things like best practice.
0: So th- that, that's kind of the, the structure and what you do and you, you mentioned that um, there are a lot of members um, and a lot of members who are contributing their time kind of as uh, as volunteers but h- how does membership actually work then?
1: Okay so NAFEM's membership is on a company basis, a corporate basis. Right. It's very like um, a lot of other things I think IRC TAC is similar rather than a private individual your company is a member Um, And then the individuals from within that organisation then have the opportunity to access all the material um, and member for an annual membership fee, which is very reasonable. Actually, it's only just I think it's double what I'm paying as an IMAQ member for me personally. (laughs) <laughs> so um for an annual membership fee you get all the publications produced in that year and access to a number of um events which you can attend for free you can then attend other events if you want pay extra for those you can also buy any additional publications that may have been brought out in preceding years um and you have access to all the conferences and webinars
0: my um, first thought it's probably and it's probably not fair so you can kind of dispel this a little bit <laughs> is that um with a the- group of uh, this kind of groups, how do you prevent it becoming kind of introspective and kind of detached from industry? How do you avoid just kind of preaching to the converted?
1: Um, So that's, it's always going to be a challenge knowing whether you're reaching the people that are interested. All we can do is think about what um, what we think is going to be most useful for people in industry, and we we base that on our individual experience. Also, consultants and vendors, in particular, have a lot of uh, have a lot of insight into what the problems might be with users that are maybe not involved in AFMs through help desk inquiries or consultancy inquiries. So. For example, we started doing uh, a number of seminars looking at large eddy simulation, using large eddy simulation turbulence approaches or higher fidelity turbulence approaches because the vendors tell us this is an area they get an awful lot of inquiries about. So we are getting input from broader than just the individuals that are in the groups.
0: So it's part of what you do in a kind of simulation evangelism. You're sort of preaching to yeah. those people who aren't currently <laughs> using it.
1: Yes, yes. I would say there is an element of that. It's tried to help people understand the benefits of simulation and what it can do for them and what it can't do for them, maybe.
0: Do you think that's perhaps a little bit misunderstood in the CFD space? Because perhaps people have a handle on um, on what FEA can do and how FEA applies to what they do, but maybe not to CFD. Maybe they think it's the same or maybe they think it's way, way beyond them. Do you think there's a, a, there's a role there?
1: I think there is. Yes, I think there is a mismatch. I think people, um, particularly when you look at um, statics, uh, structural mechanics, um, linear statics, where you can be very confident that your answers are going to be really good if you've got good materials data. And then you may look at a complex CFD case where you've got turbulence. And of course, turbulence, as we all know, is it's always a problem. Um, and, and you can't say absolutely categorically, this is the right answer in every location at every point in time, because, you know, no, we don't know that yet, unless you're doing a, a direct eddy, a direct uh, numerical simulation. So I think there is an element of that. And I think there's also a, a historical effect where people maybe looked at CFD 15 years ago or even 20 years ago, and it was more limited then there were less capabilities and the results maybe were less good or the numerics might have been less well developed and they lost confidence then and never came back and they thought oh it's got nothing for me so i think there's a you know the understanding the difference between structural mechanics and cfd and also the development of cfd and it's still developing is an important is an important area
0: yeah absolutely so when you're Establishing best practices, I guess they're kind of always evolving um, as the technology evolves, but uh, some things will will stay the same, obviously. But how do you establish a best practice when it varies so much between industries and and even applications?
1: Instead of saying that there is a hard and fast, this is the best practice, and it's fixed in time, and there are some things that are fairly hard and fast, we would rather say make sure that your simulation is fit for purpose. And there's quite a lot of work uh, done around describing what this fitness for purpose might be we've even got a a book on how to ensure your cfd is fit for purpose um which i've obviously read (laughs) have you read it no no (laughs) it's very good it's written by chris lee and he's a very good writer and it's very nicely written but uh, i would encourage you to read it i shall do that (laughs) um so it's encouraging people to make sure they're doing the most appropriate simulation for what they're trying to achieve If they want to understand um, the tiny fluttering uh, variations in a flow, then the sort of simulation they're going to be doing is going to be different if they want to broadly understand what the pressure drop is through a valve or under what conditions um, it might be dangerous to try and turn a lorry around a corner under, you know, what wind conditions or whatever. So there's going to be some, there's going to be variations. I mean, you know this. Absolutely. And so it's trying to encourage people to, to not see CFD at all as a black box, but to understand that um, even when the, the, the numerics and the computational aspect of it is maybe hidden, as in a lot of the sort of the design level type tools, which mean you don't have to understand the numerics and the, the programming. Even when those are hidden, you've still got to apply the good engineering judgment that you would always apply to anything. That you should apply when you're using a calculator, when you're putting numbers on a calculator, and you get a number out, you should say, "Does this seem reasonable? And have I made reasonable assumptions for any calculation or uh, engineering decision?"
0: So I was going to say, does it kind of push slightly against the trend at the moment for um, black box and hiding everything away? But it sounds like not.
1: No, not really. I mean, there are definitely people in the analysis community that um, are very against that idea. And I can understand that. That's fear of seeing people misusing the tools and maybe giving CFD a bad name. I definitely understand that. But I'm afraid it's coming whether we like it or not. It's starting out there. People are using these tools. And whether we like it or not that's going to happen so rather than just saying it's a bad idea it's probably more useful to help those people understand what they need to be thinking about and what they need to understand in fact Nathan's has done a quite an interesting uh, series of webinars called simulation 2020 which was triggered by one of the the US um, regional conferences if you a few years ago, when they they divided, they they said there were three critical areas. Democratisation, which is this idea of um, the tools being more widely used, not by just a small group of experts. Simulation governance, which is all about... control its analysis management it's how do you know your answers are good verification validation uncertainty that sort of stuff and then some business business challenges and that series of webinars and there's oh there's about 25 of them I suppose I'm not sure how many there's they're divided into these three categories and look at each of these different areas and and, and what the important things are and how, how what we need to be considering
0: so I mean do they represent the uh, the hot topics on the radar of the, your CFD working group
1: um, <laughs> uh, they are of interest to the CFD working group. I wouldn't say they were the main focuses for us at the moment. For the CFD working group, we, we're doing some work with um the professional simulation engineer competencies, so PSE competencies, which maybe we'll come back to in a minute. Yeah, I would want to bring it right, right round to that, yeah. Okay, we've got several publications in progress at the moment, Um, a couple on heat transfer, because we don't really have much in the NAFEMS library on heat transfer. In fact, the NAFEMS library is is lighter in the CFD area than we would like. So we've got a lot of work to do there. We've also got um, the seminar on high-fidelity CFD. That's in the UK. And uh, we've got a, a new subgroup that's starting to look at oil and gas applications. So a lot of the stuff is is relevant to other industries, but they're looking at um, issues that are of particular interest to oil and gas, Um, people working in the oil and gas field. So, for example, gas dispersion and multi-phase flow and this sort of thing. The tricky stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, uh, is the CFD uh, working group split in itself? Is it split into different subgroups?
1: Um, no, I I have tried over a number of years to try and sort of encourage (laughs) splinter groups to form, to look at particular things. And I've never been entirely successful. So we still have one big happy family, (laughs) but we have the oil and gas group. I, I suspect that will be something that goes off and becomes a life of it, develops a life of its own separate from us, which will be good. And we do have subgroups that work on small projects, um, we've had a group that worked uh, i've been working on a book on heat transfer why do heat transfer simulations um and looking at the the things that need to be considered and that was that's been quite an interesting publication to work on because most of the members of the group had some input whether it was writing a few paragraphs whether it was reviewing some material whether it's part of the editorial team we also had a book um fairly recently it came out i think earlier this year or maybe i think it's probably about you out about now, looking at how to decide whether to do um, full CFD, 2D or 3D, or whether to do 1D CFD, which is sometimes known as system simulation.
0: All oh, right, interesting. Yeah, I have a friend who's involved in that, and he gets very um, upset if you call it zero D.
1: Yeah, but it does bring benefits when you're looking at certain types of uh, certain types of applications. So I think use the appropriate tool for the appropriate job.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so is it tricky to do some of these activities and maintain kind of a being solver agnostic or, or software agnostic? Um-
1: Everyone do- everyone is flavored colored by what they're used to. Um, but a lot of people, especially people that have been maybe in the industry for a long time have experience of a number of different solvers. So, it's not uncommon to have someone say, oh, when I was using uh, Star, I remember this was, you know, uh, this was something that I particularly liked. But then when I moved over to using Fluent, I found that this was different, but I uh, that was uh, brought different benefits. So, there are a number of people in the working group who've used several different tools. And we also ensure that we have several of the vendors in the working group. So, We've got representatives from ANSYS, um, CD-ADAPCO, uh, Mental Graphics, uh, ESI, uh, and I'm, uh, I'd show Altair, and I'm sure there's some others as well. The
0: usual suspects.
1: Yeah. So, usual, the, the, the main, the bigger vendors, I suppose, on yeah. the whole. Yeah. Uh, new Mecca, even.
0: Uh, the, and the list goes on.
1: <laughs> the list goes on so by having all of them there they're able to to contribute to discussions say oh we don't find this or we do find that and and it's, it's quite useful because it's a very neutral forum and because they're not standing up publicly and talking about things they don't necessarily have to um stick within the company lines they can have an opinion because it's a private opinion within a group
0: oh interesting which is quite useful um, you mentioned a minute ago and i don't want to let it go away is um, is pse can you remember that what, what is that again?
1: So, PSE is a professional simulation engineer. Ah. And um, it's something fairly new to NAFEMS. It was only launched uh, uh, maybe two years ago. And it has. there's two parts to it. One is a competency tracker and one is um, PSE certification. So, the competency – and they're both tied together. They're both you know, using the same material effectively. So, the competency tracker is an online system to enable engineers to track and measure their professional simulation engineer competencies. So, if you, you sort of think you have skills in a certain area, you can sort of check out that you do have the skills in these areas. And you can also see what other areas might, um, you might have gaps in that you may wish to learn about and maybe work out what resources will enable you to develop in those areas. As well as work doing that as, a, as an individual, your organisation, particularly if you're in a larger organisation, may also find a benefit to that. So both a large, large organisation with a lot of people doing engineering analysis who want to have a, a, some sort of career progression for people within their organisation, but also a large organisation with a small number of analysts who maybe don't have the expertise in management to guide those people through what they need to know. They can use this to, to help them build those skills. So that's a tracker and that's you do it yourself. You you assess yourself and say, yes, I'm good at this. I'm not good at that. I'd like to know about this. But there's also um, the PSE certification um, scheme, which is, uh, let me try and get the right phrase. It allows engineers and analysts within the international simulation community to demonstrate competencies acquired through their professional career. And it's independently assessed by NAFEMS enabling individuals to gain recognition for their level of competency and experience, as well as enabling industry to identify suitable and qualified personnel.
0: So is this the sort of thing we're going to see on job applications and things like that?
1: Yeah, it could be on job applications, or it could be someone wanting to do some consultancy and they want a consultant that can demonstrate they've got competencies in a particular area. Or it could be people outsourcing, particularly if you're outsourcing and it's a, an area you're not familiar with. How do you know the people you're outsourcing to are competent? and that was actually one of the triggers for starting to look at this people were starting to back in i don't know maybe 10 years ago people were starting to offshore to india maybe um, places like that and there were some bad experiences so why were there bad experiences maybe they were using people that didn't have the competencies that were required but if you're not doing the work in-house and you're trying to outsource it how do you know if they have the competencies you require
0: is the being a relatively new um, venture is the uh, PSC scheme is that complete across all the areas that you guys cover
1: It's a good question Um so it is getting there it's not as complete as we would like it was pse was developed out of a european project called ease it and the focus of ease it uh, there wasn't a cfd category so the cfd bits were added in afterwards the cfd working group now has a very specific activity to populate these competencies identify and populate these competencies and we're <laughs> We're working on that in just about every meeting now. So I'm hoping that the next version of the PSE scheme, which should go live with any luck before Christmas, will have a much better set of um, competencies for CFD areas.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So is it the sort of thing that um, a professional simulation engineer should be looking into personally, or is it the sort of thing that a, a company should be requesting their people to look at?
1: I think it's both. I think from an individual um, perspective, we are all encouraged to do continuous professional um, development. I mean, I'm a, a member of the IMechE. I'm a chartered engineer, I'm a fellow of the IMechE, and they've always reminded me continuous professional development. And I think it's my responsibility and anyone's responsibility to ensure that we continue to develop and uh, make sure our skills are up to date and continuing to grow. But also, an organisation if they value their employees they should be trying to do this,
0: or, or would have suggested, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, or feel free not to name-drop anybody else, but I I, <laughs> I I, would imagine that it's fairly unique.
1: Yes, it's fairly unique for simulation engineers. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I I think, and it's not meant to replace uh, sort of things like the IMEC-E. Uh, there, uh, there are discussions, I believe, with the Engineering Council to, to get that recognised as part of that, but I don't believe this would be to replace chartered engineer status or professional engineer status in the US, rather more something to demonstrate your specialism. When I was looking many years ago at getting chartered, we had um, some people come from the imec to talk at my company. And you know we asked various questions. And I asked a question about CFD. And uh, the person who was doing the presentation looked at me and said, I'm sorry, what's CFD? <laughs> and at that point, I thought, yeah, I thought this could be very bad. <laughs> so I think it's giving you scope to be able to demonstrate your specific competencies. I think
0: that's that's useful. Yeah, absolutely. So sort of setting that to one side, because we've sort of addressed who might want to get involved with that, who should be getting involved with NAFEMS and kind of what should they be getting involved with? What kind of different interactions are there that people could have with, with NAFEMS?
1: So... Anyone can be involved, um, whether they're a member or not. If they're not a member, they there are some there are still some things they can access completely for free. The webinars are free at point of delivery, so if you're not a member, you can listen to them live. Ah, oh, right. If you're a member, you can listen to recordings as well. Um, you can also obviously buy the books if you're not a member, or and you can attend seminars and conferences. Um, if you are a member, you. Do all of this for reduced cost and you'll get all the publications. You'll also get a copy of Benchmark magazine, which I suspect is one of the few magazines that's vendor neutral and aimed at the engineering simulation community. Maybe we can talk about Benchmark in a minute. Absolutely. And if, if someone's involved in uh, maybe writing, they can volunteer to write. They can get in touch. Um, authors are paid, but it's a fairly nominal amount. Yeah. So someone can get involved either directly with a working group and be part of the group if they're in a member organisation, or they can they can put forward a contract to write a publication. They just send it through to NAFEMS, uh, get in touch and find out if there's something of interest.
0: Well, as you've mentioned it, let's let's go to benchmark now then. Um, okay. <laughs> because that could be a good jumping off point for people's first sort of interactions with, with NAFEMS, I guess. Exactly. Uh, you may, as a listener, be sort of familiar with some of the um, engineering publications that are around, and there's a lot of what you might call—well, would it be fair to call it advertorial in those things, where um, they're not—they're not neutral.
1: Um, I mean, understandably, if you're getting a publication that's come from a vendor, they're going to be uh, maybe biased towards their products, obviously. And, and my, my husband finds it quite amusing. We we tend to keep our technical magazines in the bathroom. Oh, right. Some peace and quiet, and you can read, you know. Uh, so, his British Computer Society magazines and my engineering magazines tend to be sort of in a big heap in the bathroom. And he finds some of the vendor-specific magazines hilariously funny. Of course, we read each other's magazines of every course. time again. Because because there is this um, specific slant towards either a type of technology or a particular product. Yeah. So, um, benchmark, much as uh, I suppose, professional engineer. If you're a member of the IMechE or one of the other um, institutions, is a more neutral forum. And the idea is Benchmark Magazine tries to appeal to everyone across the engineering analysis community. So there may be things that don't appeal to everyone, but there should be something for
0: everyone at least. That's something that people can sign up for separately, is it?
1: Yeah. So they can subscribe to Benchmark separately, which is, I think it's a fairly nominal uh, amount of money. for. You get four publications a year. They're, They're now... Uh, since i've been involved they've been getting fatter and fatter we used to be a maximum of 60 pages but i think we've smashed that record out the water with about 89 on the last issue oh wow we had a an issue on HPC, which was quite interesting because that was looking at how HPC can be used by engineering analysts, um, either in the cloud or locally, or what the res- what facilities are available for people to use. There was one on confidence in results. So, how do you know that your results are good? What what, what can you what can give you confidence? What would you use to decide on confidence? Um, We also did a special edition on moving towards virtual manufacturing, which if you're not interested in manufacturing simulation, maybe was less interesting, but it did cover all the different branches of simulation that are used in virtual manufacturing. And then there's some sort of there are some regulars. We have a uh, almost a blog from a guy called the CAE guy, which is about uh-huh. life as a, a CAE engineer. Um, we have something called Benchmark Challenge, which to date has been um, mostly structural engineering challenges. But you know, we have a the challenges set out in one issue, and the next we get the the result or the solution. Oh, all right. <laughs> there are there are of course a few adverts. You always put a of few course. adverts. And there will be NAFEMS news and it will tell you about NAFEM's events as well. And we, we normally have a review of um an a NAFEMS event that's happened in the last quarter. So whether it was a seminar or a conference, that'll be something.
0: See now I am assuming that the um the sort of the, the wrap up point of this this interview would be that everybody should get involved. But let's be kind of specific for people who are listening in, who are interested in, in checking out what NAFEMS has got to offer them. Where should they go next?
1: I'm sure all of your interviewees say this, the best place is to start at the website, but I will be specific. I won't just say blanket, go to the NAFEMS website. You can find a huge amount of stuff there, but it's a big website and sometimes it's hard to find things. If you go into the website, into about and technical groups, you can then find the CFD working group, and within the CFD working group, you can go in and find um, our publications. You can also go from the the homepage into events and see what events are coming up, either in your region or international events. You can have a look at what webinars are coming up. Nafms does e-learning courses we didn't even touch on those so to enable people who wish to develop their skills but maybe um for whatever reason they prefer not to attend a face-to-face training course maybe they're in a location or have travel restrictions so they can do a training course over a number of weeks um and that's all available on the website that was too much for you i'm sure
0: No, no, no! I think it gives people a flavour of what they should expect when they when they go there. Like you say, it's very easy for companies and institutions that have been around for a while to have exploding websites that go on for uh, as far as the eye can see. But uh, uh, pointing us in the right direction is uh, is a good help. Um, I want to thank you for coming on today, Althea. I think I personally have learned quite a bit about uh, about NAFEMS. Oh, I did it! I nearly got to the end. about an AFEMS and how to say it. Um,
1: (laughs) Thank you very much, Robin.
0: (laughs) Cool. If you're still listening, then you are exactly the kind of person who should join the conversation in our Facebook group. Head over to talkingcfd.com forward slash FB to join up with other listeners and past guests chatting about the kind of things we cover on the show and helping each other grow their own CFD businesses. That's talkingcfd.com forward slash FB to join the group. See you there.